Good morning, and thank you, as always, to our worship team. It is such a blessing to be lifted up by their worship every week, and I hope that you get a chance to go back and rewatch some of those songs this week to just get you in, in a, a praising spirit. Uh, we're thankful for the ways that they uplift us during this time. A few announcements as we get started about some things that are coming up. First of all, I will be leading us in communion at the end of our sermon today. So if you want to grab your elements, I know in my home that means goldfish crackers. Go ahead and get the goldfish crackers uh, ready. Whatever that is uh, for you, I'll be leading us in communion at the end of my sermon. So if you want to get those ready. Some things that are coming up right now, we are raising money for Family Promise. Family Promise is an awesome organization that our church works with. And so from right now until February 16th, if you could go onto our website, glendale.church slash give, and you can find the link. There's a drop-down link and you can select Family Promise. Family Promise, we normally host families in our building. And unfortunately, because of COVID, we can't do that right now. But we raise $1,000 four times a year to bless this organization. So the families who are currently being helped by them, and there's a lot of need in this area um, that they get a chance to uh, be in a hotel and then get meals provided. So if you're able to give, you can go do that right now. Don't worry, I'll still be here. Uh, Glendale.church slash give and select Family Promise. We're hoping to raise $1,000 by February 16th. So please join us in your generosity. Also, we are serving the meal at the Essentia Shelter uh, in Glendale next Sunday. And it is Valentine's Day, so we get a chance to show some love on Valentine's Day to the homeless families at Essencia. Jim and Teresa are providing the main course for that meal, so thank you to them for doing that. But we have other things that we need provided, so if you are interested in being part of that, you can email me, Brian with a Y at glendale.church, or you can just say in the chat, and I'll look at the chat later, Brian, I'd love to bring something. I would uh, check that, and I'd love to have you help us serve. Also next Saturday, we have our church hike. We're going to be starting a little bit earlier than usual at 8 a.m. Uh, this next Saturday. But you can bring your dog and Simon shaking his head behind the camera. 8 a.m. is fine. We can all do it. Uh, br bring your dog and expect a fun time. It's just a blessing to be together and to be outside with masks and socially distanced. But I know it just uplifts me to see people. So join us next Saturday at 8. There'll be information about that uh, in my church emails. Our next outdoor well service will be happening on Sunday, February 21st. Make plans to be with us uh, in the evening uh, for that. Our movie night is coming up on February 27th at 7 p.m. We're going to be watching Hook together, which I know everyone is, is very excited about checking out that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. A couple of the things on Wednesdays now, we have our Bible study. We did the first one last Wednesday going through the book of Exodus with me and Dr. Justin Smith. Um, and it's been just really great as we've kicked off that series and we'll be continuing it again at 7.15. But you can watch it at any time, 7.15 p.m. on Wednesday. Then we have our prayer time on Zoom right after that. And it's such an encouragement to get together and pray for the needs of our church community and for our city. So please join us at 8 p.m. on Wednesday for that. We also are starting our new staff member, Austin, is going to be leading a book study twice a month on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on um, a really fantastic book about limiting hurry in our lives, which maybe isn't as much of a problem right now, but eventually it will be. And so uh, we want to re-enter into normalcy at some point with, with intention and purpose. And so if you want to be part of that study, you can email me. I'll give you the information, brian with a y at glendale.church or 
Austin, spelled like you would expect it, at glendale.church. And we would love to have you join us at 7 or 7 p.m. Uh, twice a month. And even if you don't read the book, just join for some community and get a chance to be together thinking about how to limit hurry in our lives. So yeah, we have a lot going on, which is awesome. We hope that we can all keep each other encouraged uh, and stay encouraged as we continue to uh, go through this time of coronavirus together. We're continuing our series this morning on 1 John. If you want to turn to 1 John chapter 3, we'll be there in just a minute, but uh, not quite yet. And as we've talked about in this series, John um, is the writer who wrote the Gospel of John. And in some ways, he's expanding on these ideas that you find in the Gospel of John to a church community. And he's saying, this is how you might live this out. And he writes with very similar themes, themes like darkness and, and light. John is a very epic writer. And so he really challenges us to think like either you are in or you're out. And if you are going to be walking in the light of God, you have to be in a certain sort of way, have a posture of the heart that connects your heart and and your life and your mind to Jesus. So what does that look like? And he continues to give these thoughts and ideas about what that might look like. And he says, you all are a community of people that are trying to live out the love of God. And he continues to challenge this church. And he says to them, I know it's hard for you right now. And there are some false prophets in their midst. And some people are saying it's not worth it. But John is saying, no, Jesus is worth following and giving your life to. I think that Jesus still is. But it's a challenge to be loving in the way that Jesus is loving. It's a challenge for us to live out in relationship what the Bible is calling us to. I think about this verse in Proverbs chapter 17, which says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's a really nice idea, isn't it? That's something that we look at every once in a while, perhaps you're like, yeah, and like iron sharpening iron. I feel like it's the theme of like 50% of men's conferences because it sounds kind of cool. It's like, yeah, this is kind of like MMA, iron sharpening iron. But like, let's be honest about this. Iron sharpening iron. Let's, let's do this. And I had to warn everybody today that there's a reason there's two knives in here. Uh, just think about this. And this, these aren't iron, but just imagine that, that they were. What does it take for iron to sharpen iron? Like it's a hard, I'm not going to do it, but it's really hard, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's friction. I got to be really careful. Everyone was like, are you doing a magic show today? I wish I was. It's, it's friction. It's hard. It's, it's noisy. It's messy. And it hurts, right? For iron to sharpen iron, it's, it's chipping away at you a little bit. And sometimes you're the one who's doing the chipping. And as I think about like these conferences, like I said, like iron sharpening iron conference. Let's be honest about what like most male relationships are. It's like, who you got in the Super Bowl today? Oh, I think the Chiefs. I think the Bucks. All right, cool. See you later. You know, that's not ironing sharpening iron. And I think that's a lot of times where we, we have these relationships. We have these relationships and it's important to have some of those types of relationships, but we also need to have relationships where we go a little bit deeper and we learn from each other and we grow And I think, honestly, when it comes to our world today, you know, right when someone starts to do this to us, we're like, all right, you know, unfollow. I'm not interested. Right when that starts to happen, when it starts to be like, whoa, this is, you know, I I don't see eye to eye with this person. That's when we give up and we walk away. 
And I feel like I've, I've seen this time and time again. And sometimes I think it's, it's in this stuff that God is doing some work. And we need to understand that we're called to be, if you're going to say, you know, iron sharpens iron, that's a really great idea. That, that means that we are an interdependent community. And sometimes it's going to hurt. And sometimes you're going to hurt other people. But we are an interdependent community. One of the reasons why I'm passionate about our, our, our slogan, Glendale Church is a home in LA, is because we need these types of relationships. We need people who are going to sharpen us. We need to actually be in relationship and, and continue to show. So the love of God is a really nice idea, but I often try to say, we think that we love everyone everywhere. You know, we, I, I know that you, you are that really unbiased person. But loving everyone everywhere is a great recipe to not actually love anybody anywhere. And when you are in like relationship with people, there's going to be this. Have you ever had a roommate before? In community and relationship, iron sharpens iron, and ultimately it, it's for the benefit. But don't give up when you feel this. Because this is what love looks like. I'm going to put the knives down, everybody. We're all safe. I'm just going to set them to the side. So 1 John chapter 3 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We are children of God, John is communicating to us. And that is what we are. And we don't fully know the ways that, that God is going to mold our hearts and our lives and the ways at times that we are going to show our weakness and our vulnerability and at other times that other people are going to show it to us. But when that happens, when we let each other down, can you remember that you are a child of God and so is he or she? This is the type of community that we are trying to build to be an interdependent community where we sharpen each other, where we learn from each other. and We grow and we're better because of it. I love how uh, the Velveteen Rabbit communicates this. I don't have the words on the screen, but just listen to this conversation between the rabbit and the skin horse. Real isn't how you're made. It's a thing that happens to you, says the skin horse. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once or bit by bit? The skin horse said, it doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily. And I got to be honest, I think we break too easily today. Or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, 
Most of your hair has been loved off. Your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and are very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. I think this is a picture of who we are called to be. To understand that we need each other. We are in desperate need of interdependent community where we know each other and when we're known. And when that happens, our shine wears off. But it's beautiful when it does. When sociologists have studied friendships, it's interesting. Like they've noticed that when a friendship actually happens is when you share weakness. And that's not how friendships generally start. At the beginning of friendships, you're talking about your job or what it is, and you're somewhat like a peacock, you know, showing off your feathers and walking around and saying, oh, this is, you know, what I've accomplished. This is what I've done. That's generally the kind of beginning of conversation. But when friendships and bonds form, it's when you get past that. When you maybe admit something that you're struggling with, or you have a deeper conversation and who's going to win the Super Bowl. It's when you share a burden that's on your heart. And then when somebody can show up for you, that's when those deep bonds start to form. That's when you get real. I think of the story of the Good Samaritan, which on its own is hilarious that it's called the Good Samaritan because that would have been an oxymoron to the people in Jesus's time because the Samaritans were a hated group of people. They were the people that everyone in the Jewish community despised. So the fact that this story takes on the name the Good Samaritan is somewhat ironic. It's likely you're familiar with that story. It's in Luke chapter 10, but it's one of the most famous and influential stories that's in scripture. There's a man who is walking down a road and he gets beaten. He's unconscious and he can't speak. And that's really significant because the start of the conversation is someone asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Which is a great way to say, is there anybody I don't have to love, basically? Like, let me just get some categories. Jesus, like, who is it that I don't have to love? That'll make it easier. If you could just say, you know, there's 40% of the population that you don't have to worry about. But then Jesus tells this story about a man who is unconscious and has lost all his clothes. And what that tells us in one simple verse is by looking at him, you can't tell whose team he's on because he's not able to speak and communicate and maybe have an accent and he's not wearing clothes. And in that time and place, people dressed, the Jews were obvious to tell who they were. Uh, The Romans were obvious. It was obvious to tell who everybody was. So he has no clothes and he can't speak. So by looking at him on the side of the road, you can't tell whose team this guy is on. And then as Jesus tells the story, there's a priest and a Levite who walk and they are looking and see that there's a problem here and they walk on the other side of the road. There's actually, I think, some good reason why they did this. They were coming back from Jerusalem as Jesus tells the story. Likely they would have gone to Jerusalem to get ceremonially clean. And so they are on their way back to their faith community. And if they went over and helped this guy, they risk 
becoming unclean again, having to go back and go through this ritual that takes about a week. So it's a long thing. It's a big commitment to walk over. And they've got important things to get to. And I know that there's been times in my life where I've had important stuff to get to. And I see a need. And I just keep walking. So he tells the story of this priest and Levite who walked by. And then the Samaritan comes. And again, this is the despised community. And the idea of a good Samaritan would have made no sense to the people who would have heard this for the first time. And Jesus then in three verses tells us all that this Samaritan does for somebody who he has no idea whose team he's on. And there's 10 verbs in it. The Samaritan just lavishes love on this guy. And he, I think, assumes he's not going to get paid back. But he knows this is what he's called to do. I think of Jesus in his ministry. John tells us in his gospel, and then he's expanding on it in 1 John, about how Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I think of that act and how he knows that this whole group is going to desert him later. He knows that one of them specifically is going to turn him over in just a minute to be killed. Another one's going to disown him. But yet he gets down and he washes feet. So often, if I'm honest, I think that the way that I love and care about people can be to get them to do something for me. I'll show them a little bit of love or respect or go out of my way, but then it's like, but you know, you got to pay me back later. But the way that Jesus loves is without this expectation, even with a knowledge that he knows that these guys in just a few hours are going to let him down. He gets down and he washes their feet. Because that's the kind of love that God shows us. Because you are a child of God. I am a child of God. So we need people who are going to wash our feet at times, who are going to go out of, our, out of their way, just like the Samaritan, and just verb us and just do all these things for us. We need people who are going to do that for us at times to help us remember that we are God's child. Think for a minute about somebody that perhaps you have conflict with. Let them come to mind. Can you say to yourself, that person is a child of God? Maybe with someone, it's even hard for you to say that. He is a child of God. She is a child of God. So even though it fights my impulses and even though I know perhaps that I'm not going to get this good result out of this, I'm going to once again wash his or her feet because that's the way that God loves me. He is a child of God. She is a child of God. Because of that, We have to love people differently. This is 
rooted in a much deeper place. Later in 1 John chapter 3, which I have to give credit to Nick Gathman for reading this verse. If you haven't been watching our uh, Instagram stories on Wednesdays, Wednesday Word, we've been going through uh, 1 John together, and Nick chose this passage to talk about from 1 John 3. It was also read in our, our wedding, so Nick has really good taste. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John says, you can't just have this as an ideal. At some point, you have to do something about it. You can't just think about this like, oh yeah, I I think that I like this person. Christian love is entering in and doing something about it. Early on when Manny and I were married, we were at a park one day and she got stung by a bee. We'd been married for about a year. And then she tells me, I'm allergic to bee stings. And I don't know about you, but for me, that immediately flashed the 1991 classic film, My Girl. And if you haven't watched that one, I'm sorry to to spoil it for you. But in the movie, My Girl, the guy character gets stung by a bee and has an allergic reaction and dies. So as Mandy tells me that, like, I'm allergic to bee stings, I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, I love you. Like, uh, and I just like, all this stuff was just like spilling out of me. And she's like, no, I just, it just means I have a big reaction. I was like, oh, okay, that's good. For about 30 seconds though, I was like, whoa, like, what does this mean? Is this the, my end of the My Girl movie? I don't know what's, what's going on. And I think about how like in those 30 seconds, I was just so motivated to communicate my love for her in any way possible. I think 1 John 3 is reminding us like this is how we should feel more often about people who are around us, people who we are in community with. How can I communicate my love for you in actions and do something and show up with a sense of urgency? Because that is who we're called to be. How do we show some urgency to the people who we are in community with? How do we show urgency to people who we interact with on a daily basis? When we think of love, we think of often like nice feelings about somebody, but that's not enough. I made this little graph. People like it when I do things like this. This is love and it's nice feelings are part of it, but it's way more than that. There's going to be times in your life when you are feeling nice feelings towards somebody and you're loving them. Like, there's going to be times when that happens. And when that happens, that's awesome. Like those, those are great. Celebrate those moments. But love is not about like aligning just when like you're feeling good about that person and everything is in a perfect place. It's about choosing to, to bend down and wash the feet of people who at times have hurt you and to say to them in your actions, you are a child of God, even though I'm in this moment right here and I don't necessarily feel that about you right now. You are a child of God. I'm going to love you like you are. I'm going to choose to recognize that your identity is in Christ just like mine is. 
This is what our God is like. One of my favorite quotes that I share often is from A.W. Tozer, who says, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And if you believe that Jesus is a representation of God, then John is saying here in 1 John, you need to remember what Jesus did for you, that you are a child of God. And you can't just keep that to yourself. At some point, that action has to come out of you. At some point, because you are God's child, you aren't going to love the way that everybody else does. I love how Jesus says this at one point. He says, yeah, you can love people who are just like you and, and love you back, the friends that you have, but congratulations, everybody does that. But you are called to love even your enemies, those who've wronged you. Because it's at those moments, I believe, that iron sharpens iron. And we become all better versions of ourselves. And it might mean we have a little less hair, which I'm struggling with. We all have all of these things that, that we can slowly lose in this process. But what we gain is so much more. Because we can't just like the idea of love. At some point, we have to enter in. At some point, we have to see the needs of people around us and not choose to walk on the other side of the road. At some point, we have to be those 10 verb over extravagant people who say with our actions, this is the way that God has loved me. So I'm going to love you in the exact same manner.